How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today we're going to continue on our study through the Gospel of Luke. And we got a few things we're going to be pulling out today. It's really exciting. Some more deity claims. Like when we go through the Gospel of John series, we spend so much time really emphasizing on the very person. Now, each gospel has a different flavor and uh, a, and a different angle that they approach when they look at different things regarding Jesus and his ministry. John especially is really emphasizes on the very character, the emotions, the person, the identity of Jesus. Luke is very focused on the miracles, as we'll see. Matthew uh, a lot on the lineage and the uh, ancestry and and about the people around there, there's is some so many interesting little uh, tidbits that we can find like this when we go through so we're going to continue on here we're going to see something interesting in Luke chapter 5 so again today's verses <clears throat> we're at Luke chapter 5 we're going to pick up at verse 11 and we're going to continue on and see what else uh, it comes up in the chapter and if you have any comments questions issues insights um, regarding uh, some of the things that we see then please uh, by all means go ahead and ask away be glad to hear from you if it's not related to the topic at hand if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to the next broadcast that'd be great and yes um, yes we also uh, tweaked the settings a little bit um, they're trying to fix some of the audio video stuff trying to get it just just right so please let us know if there's any issues on your end and we'll try to attend to it okay so please grab your Bibles notepads and pens grab a tea grab your coffee we're gonna be studying the Word of God we're gonna be picking up at Luke chapter 5 verse 11 all right, so what has happened before this? A quick summarization. We see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. We see him in the middle on um, the process of calling his disciples. And, and the first bit of chapter 5, we see the introduction of Simon, who's called Peter. And about uh, Jesus telling him, you know, go out and into the deep and cast your nets. And he says, I'll cast my net. And the whole thing with the fish. And then verse 11 when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So we see the importance here of answering the call. Now, what is the call? Well, God is not willing that any should perish, but God commands all men everywhere to repent. So we see, what did Peter do? Peter saw it in verse 8, and he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Called upon Jesus, he recognized who he was and recognized his, his own sin and repented of it and what did the Lord do said fear not so the fear of the wrath of God is is no longer pointed at Peter the fear of the wrath of God is no longer pointed at Peter so that so there's nothing left for Peter to fear fear of in that sense so now we see an importance here says it's frozen one second one second 
Let's try that. I don't know if that works or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. It seems to be good on my end. Anyone else? Is it okay for everyone else? Any Anyone else having issues? Or is it just here? Please let us know in the comments if the video audio is okay for you or not. Otherwise, we're going to just have to continue on regardless. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's always going to be something whenever you do live streaming. So... We're just gonna we're just gonna fight through it. We're just gonna keep going. There's not much we can do. It's not like I, I'm going to stop and restart. I'm not gonna do that. We'll just continue on. Okay, so we see we see the importance here of the fear not. In the fear not. Where Jesus says fear not. So already the the wrath of God is no longer pointed at Peter. Why? Because his sins are forgiven. His sins are forgiven. And I uh, still a picture. I don't know what to do about it. So we're just going to have to continue on. Just ignore the audio video video issues. Just, let's just focus on the study. We got disruptions trying to interrupt the study of the Word of God. So we're just going to ignore the interruptions and just listen to the words. And we're going to continue on. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, please help us. And if there's any disruptions, Lord, that you'd remove it. We rebuke these disruptions and interruptions. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, Lord, please let it work well. So the fear not. This is what is imp this is what is what is really uh, important is the fear not. Okay. So Peter was fearful, fear because he was a sinner, because of his great sin, his his disobedience. He did not obey Jesus, and Jesus said, said plural nets. He said, and Peter cast a single net, and then it's also his regular sins. And there's great fear of his sins. And Jesus says, fear not. So that means his sins are forgiven. His sins are forgiven. And Peter is saved. And we see, now fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Now, now he's called of God, appointed of God, cleansed of God, forgiven of God, saved by God to go as a disciple of God to bring other people to the Lord. So that goes to show Peter got saved right here. Peter got saved. <clears throat> and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him all right and we did a big focus on that in the previous broadcast big uh, a big study on that on uh, verse 11 that's uh, uh, luke chapter 5 part 2 please make sure you watch that one when we focus on verse 11 so we're going to continue on here from verse 12 so they forsook all and followed him and it came to pass when he was in a certain city behold a man full of leprosy now many of you know what leprosy is and it's not a nice thing it's basically you're the walking dead and your body starts to to rot while you're alive and the body rots and parts of the of your body start to fall off it's just a horrible 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 thing horrible thing and according to the law that if you if you had leprosy you could not be part of the regular society you had to be kicked out of society so you'd have the leper colonies where all the people go outside of the city to these remote areas and if you're out walking around and other regular people are coming near you had to call out unclean unclean so they could take a, a huge you know birth around you to get to get away from you to stay away from you so you were a, a societal pariah you were, you were disliked of all the people you could you, you could no longer go near normal people it was a horrible horrible thing 
And here we see a man, not just a little bit, not just like a spot, full of leprosy. So the worst possible state of the worst possible state, full of leprosy, who's seeing Jesus, and he saw Jesus, Jesus was coming by. Now what did the leper do? Did he shout, unclean, unclean? No, he, he had heard the stories of this man. He heard descriptions of what he's like, and he went to seek him. He went to seek him. In the state that he was, he sought out Jesus, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face. What does that show? Veneration, respect, honor, fear. Who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face, it also denotes worship, and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now we see here a humility, an extreme humility. He, he didn't even say, Lord, heal me. He didn't say that. I want you to heal me. He didn't demand he didn't insist on his own rights. He didn't declare and decree. He didn't do any of those kinds of things, but rather he falls on his face and he acknowledges the superiority. He acknowledges the superiority. He acknowledges the authority. He acknowledges the power of God upon Jesus. He fell on his face before Jesus and gave up his rights. He gave up his, his own rights in saying and besought him. That means to plead, to beg of him. Lord, if, if you want to, I know that you are able to. I know that you can. I know it's not a problem to you. But if you would, your will be done. Your will be done. But I know that you could make me clean. Look at the look at the cry, the difference of this man versus others. Or you see that earlier, you see the crowd of people coming in and pressing upon him, and, and bringing people left, right, and center from all the region round about, and dumping them at his feet, and expecting of him to heal them. And this man approached Jesus in a different way. Not like everyone else. He didn't crowd Jesus. He didn't push Jesus around. He didn't push Jesus to the point where Jesus had to escape in a boat. Because there was nowhere left for him to stand. He came to Jesus by himself in such complete humility. And he says, if thou wilt. Much like the Our Father prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. It says, Lord, 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 if thou wilt. Now, you notice something as well in the words here. Now, people back then, that, and most people now, well, I'd like to say most people now, but uh, the thing is, People in and of themselves don't have abilities, don't have powers. That uh, I'm not a healer with special 
God-given abilities where I can go and heal people. That's not even a thing. Anybody who claims that kind of thing is utterly deluded. That Those people are utterly deluded. Now, you'll notice the prophets, like Elijah, didn't have powers and abilities in and of himself. Neither did Moses. No one does. But look what he says here. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He didn't say if God wills. You see that? You see that? He didn't say if God wills, you can heal me by the power of God. He didn't say that. He says if you will. If you will. Did this, did this leper recognize something? Did this leper see something that other people didn't? Did this leper perhaps maybe know who Jesus is? You see the words? The power of the words. The power of the specific words. What is it saying? What is it saying? The specific words. Pay attention to the, the way that it's worded. Lord, if thou wilt. He's talking to Jesus. So, given by the sentence structure, given the specific words that this man said, this leper acknowledged that Jesus is the Lord, the Lord God, the Messiah, the Christ. The leper acknowledged this. Verse 13, and he put forth his hand, Jesus put forth his hand. Now this, everyone would have been cringing. You don't do this. You're not even supposed to be near the lepers. You're supposed to stay far away from them. Jesus walks up to the lepers, reaches out his hand, and touches the leper. You don't do that. But Jesus puts forth his hand. All those who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus accepts anyone and everyone, no matter how bad of a state you are in. He accepts anyone and everyone who comes to him. And he reaches out his hand and he will touch. He will grab the shoulder. He will show the grace, the mercy, the healing, the protection, the salvation to anyone and everyone who ever comes to him. He never rejects. And he puts forth his hand and touches him, saying, I will. I will. Be thou clean. Jesus didn't say, God wills. The Father does. Jesus says, I will. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I will. You see this? The, the specific words, be thou clean. Now this man, full of leprosy, from head to toe, through his body, in and out, up and down, all the way through, his entire body is rotting and falling apart. Now, when an individual gets that bad, they are wrapped up in, in wraps and gauze because of the oozing and the, the pussing and everything else and the rot and the gangrene and the <clears throat> parts, maybe fingers or whatever could have fallen off. Who knows? And he's all wrapped up, all wrapped up like a mummy. And he's all wrapped up because he's full of leprosy. Now, these people are the walking dead. 
This man could die at any time. I will be thou clean. And immediately, immediately, not in 24 hours, in a couple of days, in a long duration of healing and recovery. No, it was immediate. That At that one tick of the clock, he was a leper, full of leprosy. The next tick of the clock, immediately the leprosy departed from him. In one tick of the clock, he was completely healed. Nothing wrong with him. Completely normal flesh. Now imagine seeing that. Now this is the why the way I put it like this, the way I talk like this, because I want you to be there. I want you to stand there. I want you to see it. See the text. See what's going on. Picture the poor man. Picture the state he's in and the grief and the sorrow, the loss. He's lost family, friends, societal standing. He lost his job, his home. He was kicked out of the city. And he has to beg, beg for the, uh, for the charity of people, beg for food. And he can't do anything. He's a leper. He can't touch anyone. He's never felt the touch of another person. He's never been hugged. Think of this. This poor man, and he sees Jesus, and he comes running and falls on his face before Jesus. And Jesus touches him. The sensation of feeling another person touch. And this is God. The hand of God. The hand of God touches the poor leper. And he hears the voice of God saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately, all the leper just rushed from him. And immediately, this man would have felt a surge. He would have felt a rush. Because no longer is his body feeling sick. You feel sick. You feel heavy. You feel pains and aches and, and like, little pinprick pains and the nerves starting to decay. The numbness and joints and feelings and... and it's suddenly everything's normal. Now he feels strong. He doesn't feel weak and numb. He doesn't, he doesn't feel deadness or heaviness. He feels a surge where his body is now, its heart is beating normally and there's no more issues, no more pain and aches, no more sorrow, no more tears. Picture this poor man. Now imagine what he would do. Would you cry? Would you cry out of relief and joy? Would you cry in gladness and excitement? Would you laugh? Would you be crying and laughing at this? Like you were just looking at your hands just that morning and they were rotting and falling off. And now they're, they're flushed and they're healed. Strong flesh again. And you look up and you see the eyes of Jesus and Jesus grinning. I always picture Jesus grinning. Whenever Jesus would do a miracle, I always picture him grinning. My Jesus has a sense of humor. And when, whenever he does this, I always picture Jesus smiling because the Lord loves to see joy and righteous joy. And when people would be rejoicing over miracles, I always picture him smiling. Step, him stepping back and just watching and smiling. Maybe looking over at his disciples and the disciples are all just stunned. Their jaws are dragging in the gravel. They just saw a man full of leprosy immediately become a normal person. 
right in front of their eyes. And Jesus would be looking at them and grinning. This is what he came to do. He came to show grace and mercy and love. He came to heal heal the sick, to heal the brokenhearted. He came to open the eyes of the blind, that, that, that the mute would speak again, the dead would be raised, that people would see who he is, and they would believe on him. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. You see, when we read the text, sometimes we, we miss the subtleties. Sometimes we, we miss these things. We need to picture the people. Picture the text. What is it saying? How is it being said? What are the specific words? Why was it written this way? Why did they say these specific things like this? In what tone did they say it? Paint the picture. Paint the picture. Immediately the leprosy departed from him. Now, here's something I want to point out. Now, according to Jewish law, of Mosaic law, that if an individual had leprosy, had a problem like this, that they were to, to leave the camp, leave the city, leave the people, and stay out there until either they were healed or they died. And if they believed that they were healed of the leprosy, that they were supposed to go to the temple immediately go to the temple show themselves to the priest the priest would would check over the individual to make sure that the leprosy was gone and if it was they were to offer a sacrifice unto the lord in thanks of the lord healing them that was the mosaic law what does jesus do verse 14 luke 5 verse 14 and Jesus charged him, charged the man, commanded the man, made sure that the man understood, tell no man. Why? Tell no man, but go, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Okay. So what Jesus is pointing out to this man, that yes, you are healed, but don't don't disobey the the law of Moses in the in the in the the cleansing protocols. Don't just go and start running around town to town, everybody telling everybody that Jesus healed you. I want you to go to the temple and go through the protocol as it was commanded, and offer for the cleansing as Moses commanded. Why? Because God healed them. You see, obeying the word of the Lord brings more honor to Christ than even running around talking about Christ. You want to you bring people to the word, what was commanded by the word of God. Because by this, people he'll go to the temple and they'll ask him, how were you healed? Because he's going through the ritual of, of the miraculous healing that God healed him. And the priest will ask, so Jesus right here is associating himself as God in here that healed him. That's why the man's going to the temple. This man is offering, the leper is offering a sacrifice of cleansing to Jesus. You see that? This is a deity claim. This is a deity claim. Jesus is claiming to be God. 
that healed him. And the man is going to offer a sacrifice to Jesus for healing him. Acknowledging that Jesus is God. Because what did the man say? Lord, if thou wilt. This man recognized that Jesus is the Messiah. He is God manifested in the flesh. This is a powerful deity claim. Seeing this. This is incredible. Now, it doesn't just stop there. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear. And in this, as he went and he did as Jesus commanded, more fame, more notoriety went forward regarding Jesus, because the man obeyed the word of the Lord. He went to go do as Jesus commanded, and as he was going to uh, to follow through and obey as he's, he was commanded, that more honor, more respect, more fame occurred because he obeyed the word. You see that? Do you see this? Please let me know. I'm not the only one. So, someone please let me know. Do you see this, what I'm saying? Do you get this? Any questions on this? This is very important. The importance of obeying the word obeying the word what does it specifically say the narrative of the text what it says then you back up slow down go back and through it see how it's being said how you compare scripture with scripture rightly dividing the word of truth and then why why is this important how can I go and do this how can I go and do likewise the what, the why, the how. The what, the why, the how. How it's saying, why it's being said this way, what it's what, what it's saying. We got to do studies on the text. Now look at this. Great multitudes. Now again, the specific words here are great multitudes. Now how many, how much is a multitude? How much is a multitude? Well, that's innumerable. That, that's so many they can't number right now. That there's so many people, a huge crowd of people, multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now, we see this again, and there's something different going on here with this crowd, because we see in verse 16, but he withdrew himself. And he withdrew himself. He saw this crowd coming, and he withdrew himself. Why? Why did he withdraw himself in this one? He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now, people come to Jesus for many reasons. For many different reasons. But it's how you come to him is what matters. Many people came to him because, because of his teaching, because of who, what he was claiming, because they saw the power and they recognized him. Because they recognized him for who he is. Now, many people come to Jesus just for the benefits of Christ, but they don't want to obey the word. Now, look at the leper. The leper came to him in great honor and respect and worship, devotion unto Jesus. And Jesus honored him and heard his prayer, heard his request and healed him. And then crowds of people started coming and Jesus left. Jesus later talks about this at another point 
saying, you come to me not because you heard the word, but because you, you ate of the bread and were filled. Because they just want the they just want the byproducts of Christ. They want the benefits of Christ without having to obey or listen to Christ. Is the Lord going to honor that? No. So it's important to understand the manner in which you come to Christ, in which you want to approach Him. So much the more there went a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now, yes, all those who come to me I will no wise cast out. But then, that's not just a generic open term of just anyone who says they love Jesus. No, it has to be Jesus of Scripture. All those who come to me. Who is the Jesus of the Bible? What about the Jesus of the Mormons? The Jesus of the Muslims? The Jesus of the Seventh-day Adventists or the Jehovah's Witnesses? The Jesus of the Catholics, of the Buddhists? Is it the same Jesus? No. The Jesus of the world versus the Jesus of Scripture is massively different. All those who come to me come to the right Christ in the right manner. Why are you coming to Jesus of Scripture? You're coming just to be healed? You're not paying attention to the word? Is he even going to listen to you? Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Proverbs 28, 9. If I turn away my ear from hearing the law, even my prayer shall be abomination. James 1, 6-7. If you, if you waver in faith... Doubting, you'll receive nothing of the Lord. He will not hear you, prayer. So you see, there's a manner in which you come to him. When you come to him in honor and respect and love and sincerity, he recognizes this as true and he accepts it. But you come to him in flippancy. You come to him in cheapness, cheap crosses, as another preacher put it. Cheap crosses, a cheap Jesus. It's just a philosophy. It's just, it, it's genie Jesus. You only go to him when you have a problem. You, it's not true honor and respect. Is he, is he going to accept that? No. So he withdraws himself at some times. Yep. Verse 17, Luke 5, verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. And here we go. It's only a matter of time before the vultures descend. And the vultures descend, the Pharisees and the doctors of the law and the Sadducees and all of them, now they, they want to see what's going on because, well, Jesus has finally gotten their attention. Because everywhere he goes, entire towns and cities empty to go see him, and the Pharisees are left behind scratching their heads, wondering what's going on, because no one really cares what the Pharisees are saying anymore. So the Pharisees want to see what is this Jesus and what he's all about. The Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. You see the text? You see this? They came out of every town of Galilee, every town of Judea, and every town of Jerusalem. So all of the Pharisees and doctors of the law 
in the region round about came to come see him as well. They want, now, why are they coming? What is the manner in which they are coming to Jesus? Are they coming to worship him? No. Are they coming even just to be healed of him and, and to be in his presence? No. They are coming to study, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. They're coming they're coming to, to see Jesus to test him, to tempt him, test him. They are coming as superiors of Christ. They're coming to correct Jesus. Now, I, I just want to point this out. I'm just going to take a detour here just for a moment. Individuals who believe that there are contradictions, errors, lost texts, lost manuscripts, lost books of the Bible, and they add to, subtract, and change, and twist, they modify, cherry-pick, or they deny the specific wordings. They say the word worship doesn't mean worship. Like Jehovah's Witnesses say, I've debated with them, and they say, well, these individuals worship Jesus. Well, that's not it. Worship doesn't mean they actually worshipped him. But they changed the text. Worship doesn't mean worship. World doesn't mean world. And Father doesn't mean Father. You know what? Those people, to all those people, they're nothing but Pharisees and doctors of the law coming to rebuke, refute, and correct God. You're rebuking and refuting and trying to correct God. World means world. Father means father. Worship means worship. And anyone who say otherwise is nothing but a Pharisee coming to sit and try to trap Jesus and correct God. That's all they're doing. What it says is what it means whether you like it or not. And we see the Pharisees and doctors of the law, come, they come out of ev anywhere and everywhere. They are everywhere. So that's the point here. They are everywhere. They're in every town, every city, every region. These types of people, cherry-picking, monkeying with, uh, modifying, correcting, adding and subtracting to, to Scripture, and, and uh, twisting it to fit their own narrative, using creeds and catechisms and councils to correct Scripture, because you can't just read it by itself. You go crazy, like the Catholics used to say. That's all that's going on here. And we see the same thing happening today. So many self-professed teachers and pastors and preachers and experts who are nothing but Pharisees modifying the scriptures to fit their own personal narrative. You need to get away from those people. What it says is what it means, whether you like it or not. And if you can't agree with that, then go somewhere else where they'll tickle your ears. They came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now... The crowd, the crowd that was coming. And Jesus, did he allow the Pharisees and doctors of the law to get in the way and hinder his work? No. Did he really give them much of the time of day? No. So all of the naysayers and all of the trolls and all of the people around who do not believe in you and are trying to rebuke you, refute you, correct you, put you down... 
Ignore them. Ignore them. Ignore them. You keep doing the work. And that's what he did. It, look what it happens here. Verse 18, And behold, men brought in a, in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. Now, this, this is the story where Jesus is teaching all the crowd of people. And you see all the Pharisees round about, and he's in the house, and that the house is so thick of people that no one else could get in. There's a cross-reference. We want to go to Mark chapter 2. I want to show you something here. So we see here, firstly, in Luke, they brought a man on a bed taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before jesus okay so if we go over to mark chapter 2 verse 4 mark chapter 2 verse 4 and this is the word i was looking for remember the other day i was talking about the uh the other uh, uh, wording the other application is the press they couldn't get to him for the press this is it mark 2 4 and when they couldn't when they could not come nigh unto him for the press they uncovered the roof where he was and when they had broken it up they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay okay so they could not come near to him for the press that's the word i wanted this is an interesting word. And as I mentioned before, there was another preacher who put it this way. We read that and we understand the immediate context of the what is the crowd and the, the sheer amount of people were shoulder to shoulder so tight you couldn't get through. You couldn't press your way through it. The other application that you can use in modern day is sometimes it's hard to get time with the lord because of the press social media the news politics everything else gets in the way everything else is blocking up and, the, and is taking your time and is so distracting and so so hindering the press the journalism the news the politics the media social media everything the press is in the way the press is in the way Sorry, we got a question here. Sorry, Wild Blue says, What was the excuse that the Catholics used to keep the Bible out of the hands of the people? Oh, that that if you read it, you would go crazy. Only because uh, you wouldn't couldn't understand it. You you had to only let the priests, the monks, uh, uh, tell you what it says. Get, they'll interpret it for you. Because if you try to go and interpret it, you'll go crazy. So they actually use that as a control form to, to keep people from understanding what Scripture says, so uh, force people to have to follow the Catholic doctrines, where they would twist it to fit their own ideologies. Okay, so we see, they could not find but what, what way they might bring him in because of the press, because of the multitude. The multitude. Now we see the word press is in Mark, multitude is in Luke. The sheer, the sheer multitude of the press of all the people you can't get to Jesus for the people what people well many different types of people we see in the crowd are Pharisees doctors of the law the hypocrites and the heretics we see 
Other people coming just for sheer entertainment purposes, for something to do. We see other people coming for philosophical reasons. They just want to debate Jesus. Then you see other people coming because, well, they truly honor, uh, honor him and see him for who he is and they love him and they believe in him. So the sheer multitude of people sometimes can be off-putting, can be troubling. I mean, this is also one reason why I have personal issues with mega churches because the larger a church is the more problems you're gonna have it just goes hand in hand it just what happens i'm not dissing large churches i'm just saying the larger the church the more problems you're gonna have and sometimes that can be off-putting to some people that that they try to come like everyone else and they see so many issues and differences and schisms and problems and it just puts them off and they can't get to the Lord and it's not what they're looking for. This is why the Lord says, well, then go up on the roof and bust your way in. Don't let people stop you from getting to the Lord. Don't let people stop you from getting to the Lord. Don't let the press and social media and other issues and other people and hypocrites and heretics and all these other people. Don't let people put you off from coming to the Lord. Your faith is in people, not God, then. Go up on the roof and bust your way in. Break the door down. Knock a hole in the wall. Break your way in. The Lord, the Lord is standing there waiting for you. See, the Lord is not going to come and break down the wall for you. He's going to give you the strength to break the wall down yourself. They could not find a way by which they might come to him, so they went up on the house and they ripped open the roof they ripped open the roof and they and they lifted up the tiles they ripped up the roof and they let him down through the tiling with his couch now what's the other application the other thing that we see here as well is we see sometimes some people have trouble something in their life is so crippling is so crippling that they that it hinders them that they don't have strength to come. They just, they just, in such depression, such agony, such issue, or whatever the problem is. And what do we see here? Other people bringing him to Jesus. You see, there's so many people who have so many issues and problems and excuses or whatever. We need some godly individuals who'd be willing to stand up and actually fight their way through the crowd to help bring this one to Jesus. No, ignore the Pharisees, ignore them. Yes, and there's a lot of issues, ignore all that. Come on, let's keep going, let's keep going. There's Jesus of the, ignore the people, ignore the people. You see, the same application here is, you're not coming to Christian coffee time for me or for other people. You're coming for the word of God. Ignore the people. See, when you look at a church and you look at the people, what do you see? Sinners. You see, uh, as one preacher put it, a church it isn't a, a museum for holy people. A church is a hospital for sick people. People who are struggling. Everybody has problems. And everybody's problems 
are overwhelming to the, those individuals, to, to those own people. Everybody has a, this person has a problem with this sin. This person has a problem with this sin. This person has a problem with this sin. And everybody has, has issues and problems and there's fightings and differences and schisms, all kinds of stuff going on. Because everybody has problems. When you start looking at the people, you're going to get disheartened. But you look at Jesus, because all these people are coming to Jesus for to be healed. Don't let the people stop you. Keep looking and bust your way in. Bring yourself to the Lord. Ask others to help you, to encourage you, to, to even carry you. There are people who are who be willing to break the wall open for you. This is going to individuals and asking them for help, for advice, for counseling, uh, for uh, asking people to pray for you. They are busting open the ceiling and lowering you unto the Lord in supplication. They are interceding. This man's friends are interceding for him by busting open the ceiling and letting him down. Intercessory prayer is the exact same thing. They could not find, you can't find by any other way than bust your way and make a way. Make a way for you to get to Jesus. And they let him down. So now picture here, Jesus is sitting down. Now he knows what's going on because he's God. And I like to think that maybe there is a slight smirk as he can see in his infinite mind. He can see the men carrying him up on the roof while he's teaching. He, he sees, he knows, he's waiting. But none of the other people know. They're so, they're so taken with Jesus, they're listening in. Jesus teaching the crowd and all of a sudden you hear this crack. And dust starts raining down from the ceiling. And everyone looks up and some people are all offended. How dare these people? I always, I always have to laugh at those who are so uppity and stuffy shirt that any little thing they get all offended at. Oh, how dare they? Maybe just wait and see what's going on. And so everyone's looking at, at different mannering, mannerisms. They're looking at different mannerisms. Some people are all offended. Some people are all, all astounded. Some people are kind of surprised. Other people are really curious. So what's this about? And Jesus sitting there, he just steps back and he just he just waits, and they they ripping and cracking and they tear open the ceiling. Some people are probably freaking out, and Jesus sit just sitting there, and they tear it open large enough, and down comes a bed let down by ropes. This man taken with a palsy, and he's just lower down. Just picture it, looking right in front of Jesus, and Jesus is sitting there smiling, looking at this. He looks up at, at the guys, and all the people are all taken. You, know, you hear the murmurings, and everyone's whispering, everyone's talking, and some people are all offended. There's how dare, dare there be interruptions. And when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, look, 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 verse 20. He doesn't, he doesn't say when Jesus saw the paralyzed man's faith, his faith. When Jesus saw their faith. You see, some people have not faith to call upon the Lord themselves. Peter and John and the crippled man, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They gave this man faith. The poor lame man had not faith. The Lord honored the faith of Peter and John to heal this man. The Lord honored the faith of the men who brought the paralyzed. And Jesus saw their faith. He said unto him, the paralyzed man, thy sins are forgiven. We'll get to that in a moment. But we see something here. 
Jesus saw their faith. The faith of the intercessors. The faith of the faithful. The faith of those who will not allow the crowds to stop them. The faith of those that, that, that won't just sit and, and say, Oh, I hope, I hope God will hear me. I hope. No, they'll bust the door down. They'll bust the door down in prayer. That they'll hammer on the door of heaven so hard, they'll break it off its hinges. They keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. They keep working. They keep walking in faith. They keep serving. They keep devoting. They keep bringing the people. They keep walking no matter what anyone else says. They don't allow the Pharisees and the doctors of law and the heretics and the hypocrites and the trolls and the naysayers stop them or hinder them. They don't allow the press to get in the way. They find some other way and they bust the door down. They rip open the ceiling. They take the roof off. <laughs> Now there's another application. They take the roof off. What does that mean? There's no, that they don't stop. There's no roof of your prayers. It's open unto heaven. We need to lift the roof off of faith. You see, religion has built a roof where our faith and our prayers only go so high we, that they've limited the faith. They've limited prayer. They've limited the abilities of God. The cessationists and the hypocrites and everyone else who limit the faith, who strip away the power, strip away the supernatural. They strip away the spiritual. And they make it just a religion. We need to take the roof off. Pray like you've never prayed before. Pray to part the sea. You need to get away from dry religion and traditionalism and protocolism. Climb up on the roof and tear it off and bring people to Jesus. Stop letting people stop you. Bring them to Jesus, no matter what it takes. Other people may mock you, scoff you, ridicule you, and denounce you, and all kinds of things, name call you. Ignore them. They don't know what they're talking about. Take the roof off of faith. Bring people to Jesus. Let them down by the cords, the cords of prayer. Bring them before Jesus. What does Jesus do here now? Jesus says something else. Now, this man is paralyzed. This man is paralyzed. He hasn't been able to walk for a long time. A paralytic. Now, this man has has a physical need but he also has a spiritual need what is more important what is more important physical or the spiritual is it important that people come to church or people come to Jesus What's more important? We aren't inviting people to church. We're bringing people to Jesus. We aren't bringing people to religion. I do not want people to come to the building. I want people to come to Jesus. I don't want people to come and sit in the pews before the pulpit. I want them to come and sit down before Christ. 
I don't want them to hear religion. I want them to hear Jesus. How, how are you bringing people? What are they coming to? What are you preaching? How are you listening? What type of person are you in that crowd? When he saw their faith, he said unto, unto him, when he saw their faith, their faith did what to this man? Their faith did what to this man? This man had given up. But these guys, these friends of this man, that they, they pressed on him and pressed on him and, and impressed on him the importance of Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, that these men had built faith enough in this man that this man says, yes, would you please bring me to Jesus? So these men, because of their faith, brought this man who said, bring me to Jesus. They brought him, busted open the ceiling. This man saw how, how serious this is. That at first they brought him up and this poor man saw the crowd and he started, his heart sank because there's no way I'm going to be able to get to him. And he was about to give up. And the, his friend said, nope, 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 we're going to keep going. This is too important. Jesus is too important to give up. So they found a way, and this man was strengthened and encouraged by the sheer determination of the of his friends not stopping. They kept going, that they sweat and they bled and they fought and they and they ripped open the roof and they let him down. And this man was so impressed by the faith of his friends that what? When's the only time that the Lord will forgive your sins? When is the only time? That the Lord will forgive your sins. If you're repentant and believing. If you're repentant and believing. The Lord will forgive your sins. The Lord is not going to forgive sins. That are unrepentant of. So the very reason. That Jesus says your sins are forgiven thee. Is because this man was repentant. And he believed. This man got saved. Because of the faith of his friends. You see that? This man got saved because of the faith of his friends. The determination to keep bringing them to Jesus. Because they fought away from religion. They got him away from the press. They got him away from the distractions. They pulled him out of depression. Jude. Look at Jude. What does it say in Jude? First, second, third, John, Jude, Revelation. Jude, and some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Pulling them out of the fire. They pulled this man out of the fire of depression and apathy and giving up. And they fought, and they prayed, and, and they devoted themselves to the Lord, and they brought this man, irregardless of the circumstances, irregardless of the people, and they brought him to Jesus. You see this? There's so much between the lines, folks. If we would just learn to just slow down and study the word. But Jesus says something here. His first reaction here isn't, isn't to heal the man. I dropped my bookmark. He says, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, why did Jesus also say this? Well, to honor the faith of the guys and this man's faith that he actually repented and believed. But also something else, because who also happened to be present at the moment? 
Preach it. No more dry religion. That's why I enjoy learning from it. Never bore. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, so let's look at this something here. There it is. Verse 21. Because also who's present. Now, I'm going to say something that may be a shock to some people. <clears throat> but I just want you to know the meaning of the word. And I am so sick and tired of censoring myself and being so hyper careful of saying certain things because some people might get offended. I don't care about people getting offended. I don't care. If people want to be stuffy shirt Pharisees and, and get triggered by every, every little thing, I, I don't even care. I'm charismatic. By meaning of charismatic, as in animated, loud. I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to lift up my hand. I'm not ashamed to shout amen. I'm not ashamed to, to get passionate and to get, to get all emotional about it. I'm not a long horse-faced Christian. It says to lift up your voice. It says to lift up the hands. It says to shout amen. It says to shout hallelujah. It, say, it says to stand apart from the crowd. To, to lift up your voice like a trumpet. To be charismatic. To be animated. To be loud. To be unashamed. Unafraid. All God's people shouted amen. Shout it and don't care who gets offended. They need to hear it. But we see here another thing about this is the charismatic gospel. It's not religion. It's faith. It's not protocols and do's and do nots. It's faith. It's faith of God as God gave it, as God intended it to be. And he's not going to let long horse-faced, hypocritical, heretical, law-keeping, works-based, salvationist-type Pharisee, Pharisees, the, these legalists, Try to hinder it, censor it, quiet it down. Having people try to quiet down your faith. You, know, you, you can believe it, just be quiet about it. You know, don't lift your hands, don't shout amen, just sit there, keep it to yourself. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. Jesus doesn't care, he calls out the Pharisees. As John the Baptist did too. And the scribes and the Pharisees were there. They saw this. And then Jesus says something that just twisted their nose, that got their fur up on in. Jesus rubbed their fur the wrong way on purpose. Jesus also did this on purpose. Just like Elijah with the prophets of Baal. Cry louder, cry louder. Maybe your God's asleep. Just like John the Baptist at the River Jordan. Oh, generation of vipers. And then Jesus. Because the Pharisees are wrong. There's no way no way around about it. Other than just say it. Just say it. The Pharisees are wrong. The legalists are wrong. The cessationists are wrong. The limited atonementists are wrong. Now, these individuals are wrong. We're not to be afraid of them. We're not to be afraid of the trolls. Not to be afraid of the hinderers. Not to be afraid of the silencers. Not to be afraid of the religionists. Not be afraid of anyone else. Speak the truth. Then maintain the truth and keep the truth no matter who likes it and no matter who doesn't like it. Because you know that it's true and it needs to be said. Jesus is God. And he proved this here, again, in front of the crowd, this multitude of crowd, and all the Pharisees of the region round about, 
thy sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the scribes began to reason, saying, Who is this that which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You're right. That's the point. Because Jesus is God. To speak of the person of Christ, of the true Christ, no matter what anyone else would say. This is what, who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does, whether you like it or not. Whether you believe it or not. You see, this isn't the first time either. We see the crippled man, the woman caught in adultery, Mary who washed his feet with tears. Jesus forgave their sins personally. Three times we see it in Scripture. Personally forgiving sins. Accepting worship. <laughs> Multitudinous. Many other things he did proving himself. Thy sins have forgiven thee. And the scribes and Pharisees are freaking out. And then they're getting all, all worked up. And then Jesus perceived their thoughts. There's another deity claim. How could he perceive their thoughts? Can angels, prophets, or holy men perceive thoughts? No. Only God knows your thoughts. Jesus perceived their thoughts. Deity claim. He answered and said unto them, What? Reason ye in your hearts. Now look at this. Whether is easier. Now I, I've read this passage. I don't know how many times. And it wasn't until a little while ago. That I saw this. And it blew my mind. I'd never seen it like this before. Whether is easier. Whether is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? It's just as easy for the Lord to forgive your sins as it is to heal someone. It's nothing. It's that easy. It's that graceful. It's that merciful. It's that simple. And it's that easy for the Lord to forgive you as it is for the Lord to heal you. He is as eager to forgive you as he is to heal you. It's nothing to him. It is so easy for him to forgive you. It's so easy for the Lord to forgive sins. It's so easy for the Lord to save you. The Lord can save you just as easily as snapping his fingers and healing the sick. Why do we make it difficult? Why do we make salvation hard and complicated? See, here's another way to disprove all the other world religions. They complicate and make salvation difficult. But Jesus right here says it's easy. It's easy. Salvation is easy. It's by grace, through faith, by belief alone. There's no works involved. Just believe. And he forgives you and saves you. Salvation is easy. It's not hard. You don't have to slave away and try to earn it. Try to try to earn to gain, maintain to keep, self-atone, and, and try to earn brownie points with God. And it's, it's easy. It's so easy. You don't have to do anything but believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Look at this. It, whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk. Again, 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 
Why is Jesus saying, thy sins be forgiven thee? Because the man repented and believed. He wouldn't have said it otherwise. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. Look at this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so open, is, is so joyous, is so in your face with all the other world religions. Why are so many Christians so afraid to, to confront the heretics, confront the legalists, confront the Pharisees, confront all, all those who try to make us some, some long horse-faced dry religion? Why are they so afraid to be charismatic about it? Shout amen! Shock the, the, the dry stuffy shirts. You know, you'll see the dust come off their shoulders when they jump because they've hardly ever moved because of the faith. Make them move. Shout amen. Be proud about it. Rip open the ceiling. Rip the roof off, off of religion and bring faith back. And don't care what others do. And other people trying to crowd you out by the press, by society, by the religionists. Break the wall down. Bring the people to Jesus. Don't bring them to religion. Bring them to Jesus. The reason you're bringing them to church is to bring them to the word of God that they might hear the gospel of the Lord God, Jesus Christ, and they might be saved. You're not bringing them to become, to become this more numbers for the congregation. You're bringing them so there's another saint of heaven. The reason... You're bringing them to Jesus. The reason you're ripping open the roof. The reason you believe. What is faith? What is faith? And Jesus says, weather is easier. Why do we make it difficult? It should be easy to, to walk up on the roof and tear it open. It should be easy to tear the roof off the thing. Just believe. They believed. These men actually believed that they had a chance. These men carrying this, this poor man, they believed they had an opportunity. They believed that Jesus would give time to this poor man. They believed that Jesus wouldn't stop them and rebuke them for what they were doing. They believed that Jesus would defend them when everyone else would be trying to stop them from what they're doing. They believed that Jesus would stand up for them, that he would intercede for them, he would be the mediator for them, that he would be the advocate for them. They believed it, and it became true. It was known. It was proven. You see this? You see this? And immediately, the poor man, the paralytic, stood up. And immediately, he rose up before them and took up that wherein he lay and departed to his own house. Now, you see what happened? The man now was down on the ground. What happened? That when people saw for the first time what the faith is really all about, they parted. They parted like the Red Sea. God will part the sea, whether it be the water of affliction or it be a sea of people in your way. He'll part them. And the man was able to walk home through the crowd. The Lord will part the way. He'll part the people, he'll part the sea, he'll part the world, he'll part the universe for you. If you have faith, if you believe, 
if you would honor the Lord. And immediately he rose up before them and he took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. His depression is gone. The heaviness is gone. The healing is upon him. The faith is, is, is in his heart. His lungs are full of the praises of God. Where did that come from? Where did all that come from? His friends, his friends caused it to be possible. His friends were left behind. And you can bet your last bottom dollar that his friends would be high-fiving each other. They'd be jumping up and down and praising the Lord. That they'd be laughing hysterical. That later that night, they'd be grabbing their friend and they'd be slapping him on the back and saying, I told you, I told you, I told you so. I told, Did we not tell you that Jesus could? And they'd be encouraging that man. And that man will now go and speak the praises of Jesus to everyone else. You see that? That's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. When Jesus says, follow me, he says, follow this. He doesn't say, follow religion. He says, follow me, joyous, exuberant faith. Faith that will not be silenced. Faith that will not, will not be shut down. Faith that will not be encroached upon by the dry religionists. Faith that will cause you to shout out. Faith that will cause you to lift up the hands. Faith that will cause you to rip off the roof. Faith that will cause you to bring others to Jesus. Faith that causes the sea to part. This is what it's all about. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus and Jesus now go into all the world to preach the gospel. What kind of gospel? A gospel that will cause you to lift up your voice. A gospel that will fill you with such confidence and competence. With such fire that you won't even blink. Standing in the face of the dry. And you'll show them what faith really is. And the crowd will be silent. They'll be stunned, speechless. There's nothing they can say. Nothing they can do. There's nothing they have to offer. And maybe, just maybe, you'll make them think. Maybe, just maybe, they'll start to question themselves. And maybe, just maybe, 1 Peter 3.15, they might start coming to you and asking you about the hope within you. Maybe, just maybe, you could bring a Christian to Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, now instead of bringing the unsaved, they might come and believe and be saved. Maybe, just maybe, you'll be letting down Christians through their roof, that their faith might be healed. That's what it means to follow him. As you preach the gospel, not just to the unsaved, but you preach the gospel to the saved. We need Christians to start preaching the gospel to, to the saved. We are inundated with dry Christians, with religionist Christians. We need to start preaching the gospel to the church because we've built roofs on them. That the building is what matters. That the world is what matters. we got to start ripping holes in this world and start letting people in, into heaven. Start letting them down on beds before the throne of God in heaven. Get their eyes off this world. Get your eyes off this world. Stop looking at the crowd. Stop looking at the world. Start lo Stop looking at the physical. Start looking at the spiritual. Stop praising the Lord. Unashamed, unafraid. Rip the roof off of it. We need to tear open the atmosphere. We need to let people know that we're here. And we're, gonna, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stand for the Lord. 
If they want to crucify us, they want to burn us at the stake, let them. But we'll go to our deaths praising God. We don't care what this world does, what this world says, how this world tries to oppose. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to lift up our voices like a trumpet. We're going to lift our hands and praise God, walking down the streets, glorifying God. And he went walking and leaping and praising God, disrupting and embarrassing and upsetting and triggering the religious. We need to show people that there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's joy in the name of Jesus. That the name of Jesus is something that, is, that deserves to be and is worthy enough to be glorified publicly. And not just publicly, but in the church. Where we're so afraid of shouting amen, raising our hand, praising God during the service. I got a question for everybody. Where is it written? Where is it written that we're not allowed to praise God, shout amen, and sing the praises of God during the service? Where is it written that you're not allowed to lift, the, lift up holy hands, as it says, lift up holy hands? Where is it written where you're not to lift up holy hands, where you're not supposed to shout praise of God during the service, during the songs? Where is it written where we're supposed to be silent in the streets? Where is it written where we're not supposed to tear open the roof of religion? Let us start rethinking. And look what happened here. Because of the faith of those men which carried their poor friend. Because of the faith of those men. Verse 26. And they were all amazed. The crowd, the multitude, that these couple men, these couple men, with their faith, caused the multitude to be amazed, and they glorified God, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things this day, that the, the faith of these couple men caused the whole multitude of people to rethink, to stop praising you see this? You see this? Revival. Revival. The faith of a couple men started a revival through the crowd. Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. Revival starts in the heart of the one who's praying for it. God honors the prayers of the faithful. Those who honor me, I'll honor. And the Lord the Lord will reward you. Now this is where the prosperity preachers will come in and they'll bring in all kinds of garbage nonsense. You, you sow a seed, God will give you a Mercedes. That's a bunch of nonsense garbage. The Lord honors, but the Lord will honor the request. He'll honor, he'll honor the prayers. He'll work with you, confirming the word with signs following. And the signs is confirmation of faith, that your faith will spread. The work that you're working on, souls will be saved. Christ will be magnified. The church will be built. The faith will be shown. He'll prove to you 
that you're right. That what you're doing is right. He'll prove it. Because it will have an effect. Dry religion has no effect. There's no power. But true, honest, sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you don't let anyone else hinder. And you be, you be open. Fearless. Unashamed. You speak openly and blatantly. And you praise his holy name. No matter what anyone else says. Uh, it will cause other people to be amazed. It'll spread. Other people will glorify God. Other people will be filled with fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they'll start to say, Oh man, we saw some strange stuff this week. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Did you see? Did you see what happened? Revival spread. Did you see? People got saved. Did you see that, that these people are being pulled out of depression? They're being pulled out of heaviness. They're being pulled out of these issues. People were healed. We're seeing things happen. That's what that means. You're seeing strange things. We're seeing things happen. The week after week, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, where nothing happens. The people come to church and the pastor asks, who has a praise item? And no one speaks up. There's something wrong. Every week, it should nearly fill up the whole time of the praises and the adoration of the Lord. What the Lord has shown you, taught you, helped you, answered you that week. Has the Lord not spoken to you at all? Is he not teaching you anything at all? Is he, has he not helped you at all this week? Why are you being silent in the pews? We've seen strange things. We've seen the Lord work. We've seen the supernatural manifest. We've seen the power of God answering prayer. We've seen revival spread. We're seeing souls saved. We're seeing people be encouraged. We've seen lame faith walk. We've seen lame faith walk. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. Now this is Levi, this is Matthew, the tax collector. Rich, rich men. Jesus says, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Some people, all they got is a couple fish. Other people got great riches. But the Lord is the equalizer. The Lord is the equalizer. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking the road. It doesn't matter how many degrees, how many diplomas, how much money, how big of a house, or how big of a name. It doesn't matter how much notoriety you have. We're all equal in the eyes of God. That the, the beggar in the street can stand shoulder to shoulder with the billionaire on Wall Street. They both believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're equal in the eyes of God. The Lord is the equalizer. There's something else to praise about. Don't ever let people look down their nose at you. Well, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I've read the Bible 100 million times. I got degrees. And, I, and what you're doing offends me. Tough. The Lord needs to be praised and you're not doing it. You're, you're dry, you're stale, you're apathetic. Start praising the Lord. Stand shoulder to shoulder with the others and show them how to praise. 
Show them how to praise. Show others how to follow Jesus. What it means to follow Jesus. Show the dry. Show, show the stuffy shirts. Show the religionists. Show all the other people who've never heard. Show the world who Jesus is. And why, he's, why he deserves to be approached. And why it should never be hindered. And that when people hinder, those people are to be ignored. Those who get in the way, ignore them. Go away from them. Other people try to draw you away, try to hinder the faith, get away from them. Faith is to be open, is to be fearless, unashamed, proud of our Lord. Never be silent. Show others that it doesn't matter what their circumstances, whether they be the lame and the lame beggars in the street or they be the rich in the mansions, it's equal, it's the same praise, same Jesus, same Lord, same cross, same blood, same atonement, same word, same spirit. It's the same God. The God of, God of Moses is our God. The God of Abraham is our God. The God of Noah and Elijah is our God. The God of the disciples is our God. The God of this lame man is our God. And Jesus loves a party. Jesus loves it. He loves praise. He loves the adoration. He loves exuberance. Jesus loves the lifting up the voice. He loves that you being proud of him. He wants to see the smiles. He wants to see your eyes lifted up. He wants your voice lifted up. He wants true faith worship. He wants true faith worship. Because worship isn't worship if it has not faith. It's just religion. Dry mysticism. The Lord wants true faith worship. This is where you start seeing things happen. Strange things. The answers to prayer. To lift the roof off religion. Traditionalism. Get out of traditionalism. Get out of it. Start praising the Lord. Start shaking the rafters. Start shaking the dust. Clean up the place. Show them what it means. Be joyous. Don't let the dry suck you dry. This is where we need to start parting the sea of the crowd. Walking through the midst of them, unashamed. This man, he gathered up his bed and walked through the crowd. They parted the way. He didn't care. Some people would be scowling. Some people would be angry. Some people would be triggered. Other people would be quizzical about it. Other people would be praising. He didn't care about any of it. He, because he saw the Lord. He met the Lord. He was saved the Lord. And he carried his faith with him all the way home. He didn't stop. He didn't care what anyone else said. You think the Pharisees would have tried to get in this way? He walked around them. He ignored them. The applications here, folks. Look at this, look at this, look at this. I told you Jesus loves a party. And and he says to Levi, follow me, the tax collector, follow me. The tax collectors were hated of all the Jews. Hated. And Jesus says, follow me. And he left all, rose up, followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and others who sat down with them. Sinners came to the party. Jesus sat at the party. Jesus and his disciples sat with Levi in Levi's house at a big party that sinners came to. 
All the religionists would be shocked and horrified. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink of publicans and sinners? We invite sinners to church. We invite sinners to Jesus. And Jesus answered, said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's all about repentance. True, true, sincere repentance brings joy. It brings joy. It brings faith. It brings exuberance of faith. We'll throw a party for Jesus for what he did for you. You want everyone to know about it. You want you want you want it to to knock the windows out. You want everyone down the street to hear it. You want everyone to know, and uh, that it, it is so loud, so proud of our Lord, it even draws the sinners to Christ. That they see such a difference that it's not about churchianity. It's not about churchianity. It's Christianity. It's not about religion. It's about faith. It's not about protocols and do-nots. It's about faith. True, loving repentance. Love of Christ that he saved me. He washed me clean. He forgave my sins. It was so easy for him. Believe. More apt to come to Christ when they see something real. They see real power. Real faith. They have to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Sinners. We're all Sinners. For all have sinned, all have fallen away, all have become corrupt. There's none to do with good, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But he came to my house. He came to my house. He forgave my sins. He saved my soul. I'm going to throw him a party. A party of faith. I'm going to throw him such a party of faith that, that the, it's packed room to room, wall to wall with the angels and with the saints. I want my house, my life to be exuberant, to be joyous, to be full of gladness, of the oil of gladness. That it confounds the religionists. They stay and all they can do is bicker and murmur. Let the Bible says, if any man, any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Ignore them. Ignore them. He came to call the sinners to repentance. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink? No, all they can do is bicker. All they can do is try to find something to complain about. All they can do is try to find something to gripe about, pick at, try to cause issues, at the, to question, to cause issues. That's all they can do. They're, they're just stuck up, stubborn, religionists, complaining, whining, griping, bellyaching, and they get mad at those that are glad. They try to silence you. As one person once said, if, you, if these people, they say, well, you just wait. After so many years, you'll cool down. You'll cool down and it, you'll, it, it'll, it'll become dry. Yeah, if I hate is what the one preaches. The day, 
And the Lord answers them and says, Can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth, putteth, no man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old, if otherwise then both the new make a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new grieveth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottle shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desire to forget the old is better. So what is Jesus talking about? A change, something new, something different. What is new, different? The old is gone. The new has come. We are changed and made new, purged clean, washed clean. We are refined by the fire of the Spirit of God. And He puts in us a new heart, new faith, new spirit, new desires, new emotions, a new person. We're a completely different person. New faith, new spirit, the new wine of God that fills the heart of the believer. You can't take what God has given and put it in the old ways. What are the old ways? Religion. The world filled with the old ways. It's all about self and flesh and physicality and religion and buildings and stained glass robes and mysticisms. But it's all about the Lord and it's different. It's new. It's a new heart. New desires. Of a new faith. He makes us a new man. A new person before God. He's not going to take what's given us new and try to mesh it with the old. This is why the Lord says to come apart from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Walk in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Speak in the Spirit. Worship in the Spirit, not the flesh. Stay away from the old. The old wants, wants you to be silent about the things of the Lord. The, the world and things of the flesh and things of the old ways that wants to try to deaden the faith of Christ. We can't take what the Lord gives of the new wine and put it into the old bottles. We are new bottles refined by the fire of the Lord. As John the Baptist said, But behold, one is coming who will baptize you with fire and of the Holy Ghost. The refining process, as, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. He puts in us his word, which is refined. It's refined by the fire of the Spirit of God, purging the blood of Christ, washed and made new. How can we say the old is better? The joy of the Lord is our strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. He strengthens us with his joy. And if you have not the joy of the Spirit, do you have faith? If your faith does not have joy, do you actually have faith? Where is your joy? Where is the joy? Can you honestly read the scriptures and read about the miracles of the Lord 
and what he did round about in his teachings and his healings. And can do you see the people just sitting there, long faced, unmoving? Uh, he heals the blind man and he just goes his way silent. He heals the lame, they go the way silent. They kind of just just mumble away. Or do you see them jumping up and down and praising the Lord and singing and praising and causing a ruckus? We're supposed to cause a ruckus. We're supposed to turn the world upside down. We're supposed to blow the roof off of religion. We're supposed to be so unafraid, unashamed that we cause people to come and ask us, you know, what's wrong with you? We're supposed to be odd to the world, strange to the world. Well, the world says we've seen strange things because the joy in us is so strong that we cannot be torn down. The heaviness can take hold on us. The depression can take hold on us. And if you see another brother or sister taken with the heaviness and depression or these issues, then you need to carry them to Christ. Now, if other people get in the way, then tear their roof off and bring them down to Jesus. Get rid of the old. Get rid of the old. Let the old die. Die to self. This is what the Bible talks about. I die daily, as Paul says. Die to self. Die to the old. Die to the old ways, the old way of thinking. Die to old, dry religion. And live unto the Lord in pure faith, unafraid, unashamed. Speak up of the Lord. Sing the hymns. You don't know what to say. Start, start singing the songs. Start praising the Lord. A joyful noise. You can't carry a tune in a bucket. Then he still loves it. He still loves it. A joyful noise then. Lift up your voice like a trumpet to declare to the people the air of their ways. We're supposed to shout it from the rooftops. Not whisper it in the corners. Shout it from the rooftops. There it is again. The roof. The rooftops. This is on top of the roof. You're not under it. You're not limited. You're on top. You walk with your head in the clouds because technically, well, we're already there. Our names are written down in glory. Walk like you're already there. Sing and praise like you're already there. Worship and devote like you're already there. Start acting like you're already in heaven. How do you think you will, you will react when you get there and you you see for the first time with your eyes that the glories of heaven, the street of gold, the angels, and all the saints and the prophets and them of old time, there's the temple of God and there he is. How do you think you're going to react? Why aren't you acting like that now? Why aren't you acting like that now? What's stopping you? What's hindering you? What's depressing you? Is it worth being silent about the praises of God? Is there anything in this world that could possibly happen to you that's, that deserves to be respected and obeyed in staying silent about the praises of God? Think about it. Think about it. It's to the death, folks. Praising the Lord to the death. Until we, until we get there, and then we're going to continue praising Him for all eternity. Ignore people. Ignore the crowd. 
Ignore the multitude. Ignore the circumstances. Ignore the issues. That when troubles come upon you, that's a challenge for the Lord, not you. Because he's the one that does it. He gives the strength. I want to allow thee to be tempted above that which you are able, but I make a way of escape. He parts the sea. He provides the bread. The water comes from the rock. He hears your prayers. He heals you. He helps you. protects you. He guides you. He gives you all the teaching, the wisdom, and the knowledge, and the power. He seals you with his spirit. He holds you in his hand. He stands by your side. You're surrounded by a mountain of angels. What else do you need? What are you going to do? Sit down and cry? Are you going to start praising him? Because he deserves to be praised. Honor him because he deserves to be honored. Tear open the roof, folks. Tear open the roof. Bring the people to Jesus. Show them what it's all about. Stun the crowd. Spread revival. That's what Luke 5 is all about. That's what Luke 5 is all about, folks. So there you go. I'm all on fire now. But uh, but that's what it's about. It's about getting animated. Get, get charismatic about it. Start praising. Start shouting the praises. Start singing. Start, start dancing down the street. I've met Jesus. And let them know. They say, you're crazy. Well, you're crazy for not believing. Let me tell you about them. And show them. Tell them. Show them there's something different. People hear Jesus. They think religion. They hear the name Jesus. They think all it is is a cuss word. They hear the word Bible. All they can think is like dry, old, traditionalist religion. Show them what it's really about, folks. Bring them to the cross. Bring them to the grace. Bring them to the mercy. Bring them to the mercy seat of Christ. The mercy seat of Christ. Where they find mercy and help to help them in a time of need. This is what it's all about. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. How can you say you are sanctifying the Lord God in your hearts if you have not joy unspeakable and full of glory? How can you say you've met Christ and not be animated about it? How can you say you love Jesus and you stay silent about it? How can you say you've gone and you spent time with Jesus in prayer and devotion, you're sitting at his feet, and not come away singing the songs? How can you say you have faith if you're not proving it? We need to examine ourselves. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need to be let down through the roof. So what can we do? Let today be the day of salvation to be saved from yourself. To be saved from our own flesh. Saved from our own fears. Saved from, from our own censoring. We censor ourselves. We hold our hands. We sit on our hands in the pews. We, we staple our mouths shut with fear of men and religion. It's about time we free ourselves. Lift up the hands. Start praising the Lord. Start, start being joyful. Start being full of gladness of the Spirit of God. Start lifting up His name like it deserves to be lifted up. And ignore anyone who would try to tell you otherwise. Show people there's a change that comes over you in the name of Jesus. 
that the Lord smiles, the Lord laughs, the Lord is grinning when no one else is. You go for the adoration and the praise of the Lord. You're going for the for for the Lord to to give it, give you His nod of approval. You don't need man's nod of approval. You need the Lord's nod of approval. It's the Lord's word, not man's word. It's the Lord's faith, not man's faith. It's the name of Jesus, no one else's name. It's the Lord's ministry, not our own. It's the Lord's gladness, the Lord's joy, not our own. They cut the joy comes from him, not from me. The joy comes from the Spirit of God that is in me. The Spirit of God is full of joy, and it comes pouring out. As the Lord says, as Jesus says, that in you is a, is a, is a well of water that will spring up. I'll give you water that will come forth as a spring of living water. And you'll never thirst again. That spring of the Spirit of God that lives in the heart of every believer. Stop filling the well with mud. Let the pure water, undefiled, pure joy, pure faith, pure simplicity, childlike faith, childlike faith, let it come forth. So what do you do? Shout amen. I challenge you, anywhere where you are, I challenge you right where you are. I don't care if you're surrounded by people. Shout amen. Praise the Lord. Start praising the Lord. Let them look at you like you're a nut. They're crazy for not believing. Shout amen. All God's people shouted amen. All God's people raised their hands and shouted hallelujah unto the Lord. Start praising the Lord. Start showing them Jesus. That's what it's all about. So. I hope that this study, this message has been an encouragement to you. I hope that this got you fired up. Because, because I'm telling you, we need it. We need it more than you, you could ever realize, more than you could ever know. We need it so bad. We need faith. Faith of joy. Joyous faith. Not religious faith. Joyous faith. Faith of spirit. Joy of spirit, the joy of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they went on their way, rejoicing and glorifying God. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. If only, if only, we could see more of that today. Will you? Will you? Go walking and leaping and praising God? Are you waiting for someone else to go first and then, then maybe you might follow? Maybe you need to be a leader. Maybe, as Mordecai said to Esther, perhaps thou wert brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Whether man or woman, be an example of praise. Be an example of joy. Be an example of gladness of faith. Simplicity of faith. That people see that you're different. Maybe you need to be the one that steps first. Start leading people into joy. 
whether you're Moses, Elijah, or Deborah, praise the Lord. This is what we need. Amen. All glory to the Lord God. Amen. So, there you go. That's Luke chapter 5. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. God bless you. All right, so please make sure you also check out our website, ChristianCoffeeTime.ca. we got tons of links there to many of our other platforms and all tons of other goodies and stuff there. Check out the merchandise link as well. Our Redbubble and Etsy shop got tons of stuff there for evangelism uh, uh, stuff as well. Evangelism uh, shirts and sweaters and masks and stuff. Check that out too. And as well, um, check out our other playlists. We got tons of other other uh, uh, videos and studies and and stuff on tons of other doctrines and topics and commonly asked questions. If you enjoy these studies, please give this a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe and hit notification bell icon so you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos and other platforms and stuff. And hope to see you again, folks. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining in. Please go from here praising God. Go from here full of joy. Let today be the day of salvation. A day of. where It's praise of the salvation of Christ. A day where you would go out of your way and bring others to the knowledge of salvation. Go and witness. Let today be a day of praise. A day of praise. Crank up that praise music. Crank it loud. Shake the windows. Lift up your voice. You don't care if your voice cracks. Just let it ring. Make the angels smile. Make the angels grin and elbow each other. You see in this, I want you to make the angels laugh at your praise. Make the Lord smile. Lift up his voice and be proud, loud, proud of our Lord. That's what it's all about, folks. That's what it's all about. It's about the praises of the Lord who has saved you. He saved you. He saved you. He forgave you. He healed you. He sealed you. He stands with you. And he will never leave you, nor forsake you. You're held in his hands. Start praising him. Start thanking him. Make the angels join in. Make them want to join in. That's what it's all about, folks. So God bless you. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless. <laughs>